their, their dorm room uh, so they could sound spiritual when they talked about uh, their re relaxing time. They nicknamed their bed uh, the Word so uh, they could say that they were in the Word all, all, all day long. And uh, they, they renamed things in their house so they could, so they could sound spiritual. But, but sometimes it, it's, it's good just to lay before the Lord, amen, and just to get uh, refreshed. So we're so, so happy to, once again to be with you. I have no idea what, what good looks have to do with geography, but apparently, uh, uh, apparently Chip's got something about Arkansas. I don't, I don't quite get that. But I married a California girl, uh, Northern California. Born in Oakland and uh, lived until she was seven years old in uh, Oakley. Uh, yes, anybody know where Oakley is at? By Antioch, yeah? yeah? Up there by Concord. And then she moved in, uh, from seven years old. I was in uh, Brazil from 17 until she, or from seven until she was 18 years old in Brazil before she came back to the States to attend uh, university. And then we have spent uh, 27 years overseas together. So we spent the, ma the majority of our life outside uh, outside the U.S., but it is always good to, uh, always good to come home. Um, again, I want to thank Pastor Mike for the privilege of being here in the house. It always feels like we're coming home when we come back to uh, California and uh, certainly cannot complain about the wonderful weather you guys have given us since we have been here. Uh, it's such a blessing uh, to be here in the wonderful, beautiful place uh, like Orange County. All right, well, we're going to go back into the Word uh, uh, as we were doing this morning. We're going to kind of pick up a little bit, kind of clean up what we were at, where we were at this morning and kind of lead it into our, our healing school uh, for tonight. So let's go ahead and just jump right back in. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. I quoted this, did not read it this, uh, this morning. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 20, and we will see that, that uh, related to the, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the Scripture says there in 1 Corinthians 4, 20, it says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in what? It's in power. And so one thing that we're, we're believing God for is we want to see the power of God working in the lives of his people. Uh, if there's one thing the church needs, it needs a, an injection of God's power to move us into the place that God wants us to be. And if the power is connected to the kingdom, and we talked about the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, we want to make sure that we understand that the power of God is related to the teaching and the preaching of the kingdom of God, where we're talking about the rule of the king. Where the rule of the king, where God, where Jesus is ruling and reigning in his people. And I think sometimes we take it for granted, and we almost, we almost think that, we say, well, of course he is. Um, but... Uh, there's two different, and I'm sure Pastor Mike has talked about talked to you about this about many times. But there's but there's two things. There's called what we call the the legal side and the vital side of redemption. And the legal side of redemption is Jesus has already bought and paid for everything you ever need. That's the legal side. He's already gone to the heavenly courts. He's already paid for the price of your righteousness. But even though you know He's already made you righteous legally, how many know that the vital side of that is you've got to live righteous. You've got to allow what he did for you legally to manifest through your life in a very vital way or a natural way, a practical way. And although he's already provided for us legally, he became poor that through his poverty we might be rich. So he's legally, he's already taken care and abolished poverty in his life and already obtained wealth for us. But we also know that on the vital side, we have to learn to walk out the blessing and the prosperity of God. So just because something has been done for us legally does not mean that we vitally see it happening in our life. And so there's a bridge in between the legal side and the vital side of our redemption. 
There's a bridge between the legal side and the vital side of our atonement. There's a bridge between the legal side and the vital side of this thing called the kingdom of God. And another thing that's involved in that is he took care of our healing for us in a very legal sense, that by his stripes we are healed. So legally he already took care of that for us, but the vital side of that is we now have to find a way to walk out that healing in our life. And so there's something that bridges these two things together, and it's called, of course, what I'm talking about right now is it's, it's the walking out the things of the kingdom of God. Now, healing, when we talk about healing school, I think the assumption is that we're walking out our physical healing. But how many know there's a lot of different kinds of healings? There is a physical healing, of course, and Jesus manifested that throughout his ministry. Of course he did. But there's also something that we, I know we don't, we don't really, I mean, it's kind of a, sometimes we don't like to, to, to call it this. I don't, I'm not going to call it emotional healing. But, but the Bible says that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. So there's a healing that maybe some of you need that's not physical, but your healing is on the inside. It's with broken dreams and broken relationships and messed up past, and your heart needs to be healed. And if you want to call that emotional, then you can. But, but being biblical, speaking biblically, it's healing the brokenhearted. So healing is not just physical. And I think we fall into a trap if we think healing is just physical. It's also on the inside. And if you've done any time at all counseling people, you know the vast majority of problems are on the inside, not on the outside. And if people need to be really healed, many times it's more so healing on the inside. And many times once you're healed on the inside, then it shows up on the outside. So Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. But not only do we have physical healing and heart healing or that emotional side of our, of our healing, but how many know the Bible says that God wants to and will actually heal our land? There's national healing that can go on. So healing is not exclusively for the physical part of our body, but it can be for the internal part of our being. But also it can be that God wants to, to heal our land. There's a national healing that needs to take place as well. And that can take on many different, uh, uh, different pathways as far as our national healing goes. But if, any, if there's anything that's going to actually move us forward into all these realms of healing is finding ourselves living in the reality of the kingdom of God the legal side and the vital side bridging together through the preaching of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom that brings God's rule into our life, where God begins to rule over our finances. How does God, from legally to vitally, how does God begin to rule over our finances? Well, if he's already became, he became poor for us that through his poverty we might, we might be rich, that's the legal side of it. The vital side is that now the Lord Jesus, he is now Lord, he is king over my finances, and now he tells me how to give and where to give and what to sow and how to sow. So he begins to rule over my finances, and as he rules over my finances, the legal side that he accomplished becomes the vital side that I live out, and now I'm the blessed and the prosperous of God. You see what I'm saying? So when he begins to rule in our life over the areas that he has legally provided for us, then we begin to vitally or practically, very pragmatically, walk those things out uh, in our life. When he became, he took upon sin upon himself that we might be made righteous, when we allow him then to govern our life and lead us by his spirit, telling us to 
do this and not do this and don't do that and avoid this, then we begin to practically and vitally walk out a righteous life because the king is telling us how we're supposed to live our life. And if you will acknowledge the presence of the king in your life in every area, you will find the king truly demonstrating his reality in everything that you do. Quick example, when Loretta and I were living in, in Panama, in Central America, we were living down there um, at, in the late, uh, the late 80s, uh, right as the U.S. was about to go to war with, uh, with Panama. Maybe some of you might remember that. There was a dictator that lived down there. His name was Noriega at that time. And he had, he had taken control of the country, and, um, and he was punishing the nation. And because we were living in the nation, we were also under this, quote, punishment. Uh, he, in one day, he seized all the money in all the banks. Actually, he closed every bank in the nation. So the only thing that you had, only money you had on you is the money that was in your pockets. And the country went immediately, immediately to a cash-based cash society. You couldn't write a check. Using, couldn't use a credit card, couldn't use a debit card. Whatever money you had in your pockets, that's the money you had to live on until God did something or until something changed. So when the banks all closed, the money we had in our pockets, that was, that was it. And all of a sudden we had to realize, you know what? This thing is not just some, some ethereal theology out here that God meets my needs. Now God has got to really practically meet my need every day. Otherwise, we starve to death. So it's not just a matter of, of believing something, but it's actually practically seeing that thing manifest in our life where God's kingdom truly is working for us or we're working in that kingdom with God. And so, and because of all this that was happening, the, the, the country was just, it was just a mess. It was a mess. I mean, Panama City is, is not a huge city by some American standards. I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? I mean, it's big for people in Arkansas. I mean, our... I mean, I mean, California, what do you guys, what's your population in California? You're over 30 million people, aren't you? Something like that. What is it? 34 million people? Okay, in Arkansas, our, we, we, just, we just hit 3 million people in our whole state. Okay, so, so we're a very small state. I mean, the capital, Little Rock, the capital, we're 190,000 people, okay? I mean, we're, we're not a very, big, a very big state. But you know, I have a theory, Chip, about that. See, you see, when something is very rare, what happens to its value? It goes way up. So Arkansans' value must be really high because we're so small compared to some other big states, wouldn't you say? Okay, sure, okay. So, so the, the idea that I'm getting at here is this, that, that when, when we understand that what we believe must find a way to finally express itself in the natural, this is that, that bridge I'm talking about here from the vital, the legal to the vital side. And, and, and this comes about by allowing the king to, to rule in our life. And this might sound very, very basic, but this basic thing is overlooked by a large group of people. Whenever we were back again, back in, in Panama, Oh, I was going back to the city. The city of Panama was about a million people. So again, it's not a big city compared to some places, but it was, a, it was, a, it was big enough. And we, out of a million people, we only had one stoplight that worked in the, entire, in the entire city, if you can imagine that. So coming up to an intersection was quite a challenge to figure out who had the right of way for people who don't acknowledge even stop signs, okay? I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty hectic. Um, but we would sit in our car in the morning in the, driving, in the driveway and we would pray. We would ask God, how do we get to work today? Because th there were manifestations and demonstrations 
um, riots on streets everywhere. And we would pray and ask God, because there's several ways to get to where you're going, and we would pray and ask God, and God would illuminate an area to us, and we would take that, we would drive that way. We'd get to the office, and we're one of the only ones who would get there that day, and they would say, how did you guys get here? We would tell them the route, and they would say, that's the only street that did not have some type of manifestation that was taking place on it. And so I was blessing and praising the Lord that, that, we, that what we believe that God had given to us, he had given us his spirit, not just in some theological or philosophical way, but that literally we have the spirit of almighty God living on the inside of us and he can speak and we can hear him. And when he speaks and we hear him, we can actually do the things that he tells us to do. And so that's what we were doing, praying every day, hearing God speak. Listen, when I, when I, was, I was a young pup, I was... When I went to Panama for my very first trip, I was 18 years of age, and I was in a canoe, sitting in this canoe, in the, going in between these islands. I mean, it was, it, I'd never experienced darkness like this before. The only thing I had was these little specks of light in the water that kind of were reflecting the stars. And I'm praying in the boat, God, why am I here? And the Lord said, I'm going to bring you back to this place, and I'm going to teach you, train you, and grow you up here. Now, I thought I was going to Panama to learn how to do things. I went there to learn how I shouldn't be doing things. Sometimes our ideas are different, but what God did was he just threw us straight into the mix. And it was like, all of a sudden now, we got to know how to hear God now because if we don't, then we could possibly die today. And sometimes our, our very comfortable lifestyle we have in America gives us, gives us a leeway not to, not to grow up as fast as what we should. It's like... Um, it's like, uh, um, you know, it's like saying, telling, telling your, your child, I hope nobody's in this situation, but it's almost like telling your, you know, your, your 47-year-old child, you can keep living in the basement with mom and dad and girls are going to flock to you. You know what I'm saying? It's just not going to happen. You know, you can, you, at some point, you got to say, you know what? I just need to, I just need to get out there. And, and, some, and sometimes we, 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 have a, we have a very, very good life here, but sometimes we need to understand that there, we have to push ourselves out and begin to do the things that God wants us to do. We have to jump out there and let the, the vital things that God, or the legal things that God has done for us, truly become vital. The Holy Ghost is real. He's still speaking today, and we as his people can hear what he has to say. So she's actually pregnant with our first child. She's in her first trimester, trimester which means she's sleeping a lot. She's at the house, and this is before, well, we had cell phones, but we are in Panama, so you're not going to be able to use one. And so I'm at the office, and we lived in, in, in Panama. We have several canals. Uh, we call it the canal zone. We have military bases in these canal zones, or at least we used to. And, and they came on the radio, and they said on the radio, they said that we're at now at Operation Charlie. And they had already, the embassy had already told us, if you ever get to Delta, then they're fully going, they're going to come. The military knows our address. They're going to swoop in in their SWAT uniforms, kick the windows and doors in, and throw it, put us in an airplane, and fly us back to the United States. So... A lot of stuff. So when it got to Charlie, we had a plan. This, I, this plan for Charlie was whenever we hit Operation Charlie, then all missionaries had safe houses, and we were supposed to flee to a safe house. And so they came on the radio when I was at the office and said, we're at Charlie, and I couldn't contact her, and I knew she, she wouldn't have been hearing the radio, so I got in the car, and I took off, and I turned down the road of the freeway. The freeway was a big freeway. freeway. It's called Transismica. It was, it was six lanes wide, big freeway. And, uh, you know, with going both directions, it was 12 lanes. And so I turn on the freeway, and when I turn on there, all six lanes are driving the opposite direction at me. So they should be going that way. They're all coming this way, and I'm driving against them. 
So I'm driving against the flow of traffic, if you can imagine. And people are honking their horns and pointing at me and telling me to turn around and, uh, because you're not supposed to be driving. I mean, this is not the way you're supposed to be driving. We're all supposed to be going that direction. And I, and I knew what the problem was. So I looked up in this massive wall of fire. It's probably about 15, 20 feet high. Massive wall of fire has been built across the, the freeway. And people are standing on top of the bridge with these massive boulders. And if anyone tried to ram the wall of fire, they would just drop these boulders on top of their their car. So, this, so I thought, well, all I can do is I have to go to the canal zone. So I turned to go into the canal zone. But of course, everybody and their brother had exactly the same idea. So now this little two-lane road had turned into a four-lane one-way. All right? So you have the two lanes are now going one way, and you have cars kind of halfway in the ditch, halfway on the road. It was, it was, a, it was a bad situation. And I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, God, I, I need to hear something. So I turned the radio on, and they came on there, and they said, avoid Albrook Air Force Base. And I had to go right past, I was on the road to go right past Albrook Air Force Base. And so I thought, I need to do something. I mean, I, can't, I cannot stay in this, on this road, but how am I going to get out of here? And all of a sudden, God spoke to me and said, turn right. And I looked up, and there's a little track road going into the jungle. Now, I'm in a Honda Civic, all right? <laughs> now, I could get into my head here and say, Honda Civic, jungle, road, this does not compute. But thank God we have the mind of the Spirit. Amen? So I didn't yield to the mind of my flesh. I yielded to the mind of the Spirit. And I turned into the jungle in my little Honda Civic. And I'm going down, going down this thing. And I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And I felt, you know how it is? You feel like if you, the louder you pray, the quicker God will answer you. You know what I'm saying? So I'm praying louder. And I feel the Holy Spirit just start saying, take the next right. So I'm driving along. And I'm just praying there it will be a next right. And sure enough, a little clearing pops up, and I turn that way, and, I, and I'm just driving through the jungle, following whatever direction the Lord told me. And I see something in the rearview mirror that kind of catches my eye. Something moves. And I look in the rearview mirror, and it turns out that everybody that was behind me on the road is now following me through the jungle. <laughs> they all must have said, hey, that guy knows the way out of here. He knows where he's going. I'm just being led by the Holy Ghost. I have no idea. And I... And now, all of a sudden, now the pressure is really on because I really got to hear God now because I've got 300 people or however many people are behind me. I, it's not going to work to pull into a dead end and get out and say, okay, everybody, could you just turn around? <laughs> and I'm driving along and just trying to follow the direction of the Holy Ghost. And I'm doing this for, I don't know for how long. And sure enough, in a few minutes, all of a sudden, the, the jungle starts getting a little bit less dense, and a little bit less dense. And next thing you know, I pop out of the jungle and I'm merely about a, about a half a mile from my house where she is at, into a clearing on a main road. And everybody's pulling out of the jungle, honking their horn, looking at me, going, <laughs> and I'm going, like pointing up, at him, pointing up at him. But my point with all that is this, that I can tell, I can tell these stories all day long and, and see this, this vital, this legal side, how it manifests in the vital, but this is supposed to be our life. This is the way the things of the kingdom work. God speaks, we hear, we do, things happen. God speaks, we hear, we do, things happen. When God speaks, we do, things happen. When God, as ruler, rules over our finances, we give here, we give there. God blesses, God increases. We give here, we give there. God blesses, God increases, and it continues on. Or whether it's not just giving, it could be anything. God says, don't do this. Another quick example about living in the kingdom. We have this in our church in, in, uh, in Scotland, we, had, uh, we wanted to get some more computers. And what my, one of my guys came to me, and I didn't know this at the time. It was just me being stupid. But, but this, one, of my, one of my IT guys come to, came to me and said, okay, we can buy all these computers, 
But here, but the, this is what it's going to cost us to buy all the, uh, all, the, all, the, all the programs to go with everything. And I said, well, why do we need to, we already have the programs. He said, well, you only have, you only have the right to put your, these, the, all the, all the, you only have a license to put these on a, a laptop and a, uh, and a desktop. You can't just put them on everything you have. I said, I didn't know that. He says, oh, yeah, you're only allowed, that's the way it was back then, you could put it on the desktop and on one laptop. But that was it. That's the only license you had. So I said, well, let's, let's then ask them for more permission. You know, nobody, we called everybody, and no one could tell us anything. They said, really? Uh, just put it on everything you've got. I said, but the document says we can't do that. And I'm talking to the people that work at Microsoft. They, ah, just go ahead and do it. I said, but the stuff, the documents say we're not allowed to do it. And they kept telling us just to go ahead and do it. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to do that. I said, so I said, how much, are we in compliance? And they says, no, actually, we have to, all the computers we already have, we've got, to, we've got to buy licenses for everything that we've got. We only bought one, and now we've used them all, these computers. And I took a deep breath, and I said, how much is it going to cost us? And you're like, bing, okay. And I said, just do it. Let's just do it. So we did. We bought. We did everything they were supposed to. Now this is this is this is a living in a righteous way where God, God is just saying you're going to do this. Doesn't make sense. It's going to cost a lot of money. We did it. And guess what? Without our church growing hardly at all. I mean, it was you know like normal. Without it growing very much, maybe two or three percent that year, like like you normally do. Without anything spectacular happening, happening, the income of the church grew. 100% in 12 months and continued like that. And I thought, you know what? If I will allow the legal side of what Jesus did for me become the vital side of how I live, then what will happen is I will reap the benefits of that legal thing that he did for me. But it requires me to understand what the kingdom is about, how to live in the kingdom, walk out the kingdom, be a person in the kingdom. And in doing that, we experience the blessings that come with that kingdom. And the kingdom of God is with power. And we need to make sure that we're a people of power. Everywhere you go, you are an ambassador for the king. And you need to make sure you understand that because you are a part of this kingdom, you are an ambassador for the king. So when you go to the post office, when you go to the bank, when you go to the restaurant, you're not just going there to eat. You're not just going there to drink. You're not just going there to post something. You're going in as a representative, a representative of the king to demonstrate the legal side of what he has done for us in a vital way in front of everybody who's in that restaurant if God calls upon you to do that. And that might mean you standing up and preaching the gospel. Can you read, Are you ready for that? Okay, four of us. All right, okay, look. This, this, this is a good way to start. When you go out to a restaurant, pray over your food. But when you pray over your food, don't pray like, and that's it. And don't do the whole silent prayer thing the Germans do. Just let your voice pray a prayer, and if anybody is going to feel weird, it's not going to be you. It's going to be people that are around you. Because if you don't let your light shine, then nobody will see the light of Jesus. But that's allowing the kingdom to live and operate and work through us. So the kingdom of God comes in power, but we've got to allow that power to be seen in our life. From the legal thing that Jesus did to the vital or the practical way of walking that thing out. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to look at this because Jesus is so... We talked about how he's out preaching the kingdom and teaching the kingdom and giving them the kingdom parables. The kingdom of God is like a woman who, who 
took three, three measures of meal and made a, made a cake. The kingdom of God is like, you know, a man who went and bought a field of great price. And, and so the, he's given all these kingdom parables because he's trying to teach us how to live in this thing called the kingdom. Does that make sense? When he says the kingdom of God is like, what's he doing? He's telling us, okay, everybody, I am the king. This is a part of my kingdom, and this is how you are going to live in my kingdom. This is how we think. This is how we do things. This is how we treat people. This is what we say, because this is the way the kingdom is going to actually work. And this is important because in our world today, what is happening is people are trying to tell us to ignore the words of the king. And when I say that, I'm, I'm saying that from listening to people. It's one of the things I have to do when I know that per, certain people in my congregation are listening to certain teachers, hearing what they're saying, and I have to go and listen to what they're listening to so I understand what my sheep are, are hearing, understand what my sheep are eating. It's one of, the, one of the worst things that I have to do as pastor. But at the end of the day, I need to make sure that if my people are eating bad food, I have to make sure that I come along and I help them. And when you hear things being taught like, okay, you can only listen to the words of Jesus after the cross and not before the cross. Because after all, Jesus was just an Old Testament man and we're New Testament people. Or putting up verses of Scripture up on the board and saying, okay, Jesus made that statement. He's before the cross. Paul made this statement. He's after the cross. Who are you going to follow? And when, when you hear things like this, you realize that the, the king and the kingdom are under assault on a daily basis from the pulpits of America. And we need to position ourselves as people of the king, kingdom to stand for the king. I never thought that one of the things I would do when I came back to America is try to defend Jesus. But unfortunately, that seems to be the place that we're in. So when we start eating things we shouldn't eat, it starts affecting us. My wife is so good I'm not saying I am, but she is so good to help me to eat right. Let me put it this way. She's so good to try to help me to eat right. And, and what happens is when I'm, I'm not, a, I, I shouldn't tell this because then she's going to know I do things I shouldn't do, but she knows I do. <laughs> she knows I do. Isn't it amazing? You try to hide little bags of candy and somehow... She finds them. How does she, how does she do that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit telling on me. Oh, yeah. So the point is that she tries to help me because, you know, you are what you eat. You know, garbage in, garbage out type thing. So we have to make sure that we're understanding how those things work. So Jesus is always talking about the kingdom. He's telling us these king's parables so that we know how to live in the kingdom. And it's this gospel of the kingdom that's preached in the world, then the end comes. But if we're not preaching the gospel of the kingdom, because now we no longer believe the gospel of the kingdom, we only believe the gospel of, of salvation, which we understand you don't get to heaven without salvation, you've got to have the salvation. But at the end of the day, if we look at the whole idea of the gospel, let me break it down like this. Let's pretend that for a moment the gospel is five chapters long. This is just, this is not real, this is just, just an example. If the gospel is a story that's five chapters long, and the very last chapter is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is where all the salvation, the salvific things happen. But if all we do is talk about the last chapter, how many know there are four other chapters of the gospel we're not talking about? And that's what we have done. We've allowed the last chapter of the gospel to replace 
the four chapters and we're not hearing the rest of the story of how the king rules among his people. Because in the, at the end of the day, we don't want anybody telling us what to do or how to live or what we can eat or what we can't eat or what day is important or what day is not important or how we should treat people or how we shouldn't people, treat people. After all, we're Americans and we just do what we want to do. All right. So look here in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. And we see here Jesus, this, this uh, okay, not yet. Jesus is not speaking just yet. But it goes on to say, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. So obviously, you know, Luke was not aware that he wasn't supposed to be talking about Jesus' teaching after, the, after his uh, crucifixion, because obviously he, he didn't realize that, the, that he was only supposed to talk about things um, that he did after the cross. But nonetheless, until that day which he was taken up after he... And after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he presented himself, and he made him, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering. So he presents himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days. Everybody say 40 days. So Jesus rises from the dead and by many infallible proofs, he is showing himself to be the Messiah. He's with them for 40 days. And what is he talking about for 40 days? And he's speaking of things doing, pertaining what? The kingdom. So he's got 40 days left. Now think about this for a moment. Why is Jesus here for 40 days? He's got nothing left to do. He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. I defeated the devil, made a show of him openly, provided, our, provided, for, provided for our sickness, our prosperity, rose from the dead. He's done everything. He said, it is finished. So why is he here for 40 days? What else does he have to do for salvation? Nothing. There's nothing left to do for salvation. But he spends 40 days talking about the kingdom what he'd been preaching about since his first day he showed up in the, on the earth. So since 40 days talking about the kingdom. And also, if you bought the book Fire, you'll also find out there's a reason why he was here for 40 days and had to do with the Feast of Pentecost. But anyway, that's another story for another time. And if you would like to write to us, just in case anyone, you wanted a book and you didn't get a book, you can write to me. You can write this down. You can write to Pastor Scott at ACLR. That stands for Agape Church, Little Rock, ACLR.org. I'll forward that over to our book lady, and she can help you out if you want to get something. And uh, hopefully I'll have a new book out by, by Christmas time called Heroes. It's based off my doctoral dissertation related to Melchizedek. So that should be pretty cool. Hopefully we'll have it done by then. But he spends 40 days talking about the kingdom. And, and, of course, the disciples are all excited about this, of course. And it says there in verse number 4, being assembled together, uh, with them he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait from the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore, what? The kingdom to Israel. And he says, it's not for you to know the day or the time or the hour. Just be about my business and do the things that I'm telling you to do. He spends all this time, I want you to pay attention, the men who actually heard him talk, the men who heard him for three and a half years, the men who, 
have listened to him for 40 days, the first question, the first recorded question we have, they ask him, they ask the, the, the post-resurrected Jesus, they say, are you going to restore the kingdom right now? So you have to understand this. In their mind, they have heard so much about the kingdom, so much talk about the kingdom, so many days about the kingdom. For them, they're like, okay, so now is this it? Is now the time the kingdom is about to manifest itself in the earth? And he says, it's coming. It's going to surprise you when it shows up. Just go and do what I told you to do and get ready because when God determines it's time, the kingdom will manifest itself among you. And I think that's exactly what happened when Acts chapter 2 came along. You see, the kingdom was so much a part of who Jesus was. It was so much a part of what the prophet Isaiah talked about, that there was a king coming to his kingdom. That's why everybody understood what the gospel of the kingdom was about, because the kingdom was going to come with the king. He was going to inaugurate his rule, and when he did, everything legal would become vital, built across this bridge of his lordship in our life. And when we submitted to that governing of his lordship in our life, then we would see that kingdom manifest. And it's not just the Ten Commandments I talked about this morning. It's everything we find in the word of God. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's the word of God. It's God's word actually written to us. Let's look at a few more examples here in the Gospels about what happens when this kingdom is actually made present in our life. We go then to, um, let's go ahead and, uh, uh, let's go ahead and jump to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, verse 24 through 28. Now, when the Pharisees had heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils, demons by Beelzebub. I'm sorry, this, this man does not cast out uh, demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of devils. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, every kingdom, that do, I'm sorry, he says, does not this man cast these things out? So they're accusing him of casting them out by the wrong spirit. And he says, every kingdom that's divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided. His kingdom is divided against itself. How then will his kingdom stand? You see all the kingdom talk that's going on here? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, he, therefore you shall, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely... The kingdom of God has come to you. If you see me, if you see my kingdom breaking forth into your world and casting out demons, you know the kingdom is manifesting itself among you. The kingdom comes in power and the kingdom manifests itself. It breaks forth from the spirit into the natural. You might not see it breaking forth every single moment of the day, but it will break forth on a regular basis. And that's why the, 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 the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, they said tell us about this, uh, this kingdom. Show us where it is. And Jesus says, my, my kingdom is not of this world. You cannot point there and say, lo, it's over there or lo, it's over there. For truly the kingdom of God is within you. We carry this kingdom on the inside. It will be physically present on, on the outside when God begins to rule and reign in his millennial kingdom. It's coming. But what we do right now is we carry that kingdom on the inside of us and by allowing his lordship in our life, we manifest that kingdom by taking authority over the earth. I mean, I think Pastor Mike is doing a teaching, a series now on authority of the believer. Is that on Wednesdays or something? He's doing, is he not doing that right now? Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I know he's taught it before. What's that? It's on TV. He's teaching on the authority of the believer. And what the authority of the believer does is it takes the kingdom that's on the inside and it pushes it into manifestation to where we can see it happen 
on the outside. And our job is to, so how, do, how do we do that? But by following the promptings of the king, what happens is he begins to prompt us to take authority in his name, in the natural, to bring the legal into the vital, and then we manifest the kingdom where we're at. And that might be through casting a devil out of somebody. We had this one guy in our church recently, and he said he was, he was walking into, I think he went into Target, and he said he was walking through Target, and as he was walking through Target, he, said, he walked in, and he was like, okay, Lord, what do I need to do here? Is there anything I need to do? And that's a great thing to do. Walk into places and say, God, is, I am your ambassador here. And walk like an ambassador. I mean, you, are, you should walk like an ambassador, however that looks, you know, like, you know, like, like this, or sometimes an ambassador walk. You, know, you represent the king, and you're on assignment everywhere you go. And he said he was walking to get something. He said, I happened to be preoccupied because I was thinking about what I was going to do, and I wasn't paying as much attention as what I should. But as I was walking along, I saw this woman out of the corner of my eye. I looked over at her. He said, and as I was walking along, he said, she looked at me, and she went, <sighs> Now, you don't have to be a real spiritual uh, <laughs> Uh, you you, kind of know what's going on if a random woman in Target is growling at you as you're walking by, right? And of course, he said he kind of looked at her, went on, he got his stuff, and as he's walking back to the the till, or to the till, I always say that, to the till, what is it? The, The cash register, thank you, to the cash register, he said she was still standing there, and as he walked by, she was going, and he said he just stopped and he stared at her. And she's going, eh, he was looking at her. I don't know what, exactly what he said or what he did. But the point is this. If you will be a representative of the king and, allow, and give yourself to the king manifesting himself through you, that rule of God, that kingdom of God, you will see the kingdom of the enemy trying to poke his head out, and that's when we take authority and deal with those things. Whether we're talking about prosperity or righteousness or, or casting out the demons or, or healing, whether it's physical or spiritual or whether it's our nation, we need to make sure that we are people who are functioning in that authority of the lordship of the king. Another scripture, let's look at this one. This is with the actual physical, uh, physical healing. We'll look here in uh, Luke's gospel, chapter number 10. Luke 10, verse 8 through 12. And the scripture says, Whatsoever city you enter, if they do not receive you, I'm sorry, whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as set before you. That's a, that's a tall order when you're in some countries. Let me tell you right there. Heal the sick. Heal the sick. Now, remember, he's telling them this before the death, burial, and resurrection. He's telling them this before he's bore any stripes upon his back to purchase healing. Right? He hasn't, he hasn't purchased healing by his stripes yet. Now, we have Isaiah 53 that says by his stripes were healed, but he hasn't actually done that in the physical yet, but he's given authority to people in his name to represent him manifesting the kingdom. And he says, go everywhere, every city you go into and heal the sick. And when you heal the sick, say something to them. When you heal the sick, say something. And what do you say? The kingdom of God has come to you. Whenever you heal them, tell them the kingdom of God has manifested itself right now in front of you. Jesus wanted his disciples to communicate to the people, when people are being healed, let them know the kingdom is broken forth on your life. This is a part of the blessings of living in the kingdom and being ruled by the king. The kingdom idea is that whenever something happens related to an evil spirit or whether it's healing or something like that, we're meant to communicate that God's kingdom is manifesting itself right now, right here. 
This is not just some ethereal thing we're talking about. This is the way we're meant to live our lives on a daily basis. It's how we walk this thing out. It goes on to say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you, you go into, if they do not receive you, then you go out and say, and you dust the dust off. That's actually a Hebrew thing they're related to, um, to removing uh, your teaching off of, the, uh, off of your feet. Uh, I'm sorry, when they dust the dust off, it's a, it's, a, it's a Hebrew idiom, and it basically means you shake off your teaching again. So the dust was always a symbol of their, of their teaching. We're going to conclude, lastly, related to a verse we all know very, very well. So let's go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 11. Matthew 11, and we'll look at verse 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and tell John. Remember the, the story here, John is now unsure about Jesus. And he says, are you, the, are you the Messiah or are we supposed to look for, for somebody else? Uh, you know, I, John was expecting, of course, when Messiah showed up, he was expecting like everybody, he was expecting Jesus to, or the Messiah to show up and to remove the Romans and to establish this kingdom. And that's, you have to understand, this was, this was part and parcel of their mindset. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come in remove the opponents, remove the Romans, and to establish the kingdom of God, right? Jesus was coming to do that, but he said, okay, this is the way it works. First is the spiritual, then is the natural. And we walk that thing out in the spiritual by letting me be Lord of your life, then we begin to manifest that in the natural until it finally is physically here in the millennial reign. But everybody was thinking, even John was thinking, I shouldn't be in prison anymore. I should have already been set free. I should already be out. And then Jesus says, this is what I want you to tell John. And he's correcting John's theology without actually saying, John, you're really wrong, cousin, because this is what he says to him. He says, and Jesus answered and said, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. And then Jesus tells them, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. The gospel is preached to them. He was telling him the gospel is here. When he, and when they say the gospel, that's the gospel of the kingdom. Everybody understands that. He understands the gospel of the kingdom is here. And he tells him, shows him all this healing that takes place. So John knows, yes, he is the Messiah. And he's demonstrating the power of the kingdom through healing, delivering, setting free, and blessing people in a financial way. The manifestation of the kingdom of God. And if we yield ourselves to the kingdom, the king will manifest and we will see I believe not only our lives and our churches, but I believe we'll see our world come to a greater understanding of Jesus. It's amazing to me, and I'm speaking very open with, openly with you tonight, it's amazing to me that, that we can be in a day and age to where it's even up for discussion if it's okay to kill babies after they're born. I mean, how, how did we get here? Did we get here just because we said, well, you know what? Jesus doesn't really care about how you live your life. Just come to him, accept him as Savior. Say a three-sentence prayer and go on and live your life however you want to. How did we get here where, where now it's even a topic of discussion in churches where we don't know if we're boys or if we're girls or if, as, what was it? Was it Google had how many things? Did genders? Google had 50 different genders you could choose when you're filling out forms. I mean, how did we get here? You see, when you give up absolutes, you absolutely give up. 
Because what happens is we forget that there are rules that we live by. And these rules are not th these things you have to check this, you have to check it off like a, some checklist where you become, where you get legalistic. And listen, you, you know, there's a big difference between law and legalism. And most people don't know what that, what that difference is. But you can be legalistic about anything. But how we get from where we were to where we are now is when we begin to take the rules of the kingdom, the way we live our life, and we begin to debate with the king whether or not these rules or these laws are really applicable for us anymore because, anymore because after all, we're a modern society. I don't know how we got to this place. I don't know how you get to the place where now we're beginning to debate whether or not we should actually allow euthanasia. Should we just go ahead and let people kill themselves if they want to kill themselves? I mean, if, if, we, if we do not have a place where standards are kept, then standards will certainly not be kept. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a problem in the world today, and there's only one place that really holds to a standard that has never changed, and that's in the kingdom of God. Or at least it should. But now I know myself, having conversations with other pastors, now I'm dealing with things that I, I, I sit back on and say, it's incredulous. I'm thinking, how are we even having this particular type of conversation? Because in reality, as I said this morning, my life no longer belongs to myself. I don't get to decide what I believe anymore. I'm told what I believe, and I do it that way. I don't question what the king says. I just follow out the, the workings of the king and what he tells us in, our, in, in my life. So I encourage you to hold the standard. Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, you cannot strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. And what we've done is we've felt that we can actually make society better by lowering the standard where everybody can hop on it and feel like everybody's okay. I believe that we are all equal in the sight of God, men and women, but equality is not sameness. We are not the same, and I think most everybody in this room knows that. But if we don't understand that God has made us in the way he's made us, then we'll be a confused people. So we maintain the rules of the king, living within the context of the kingdom, manifesting that as the king prompts us to do so, using the authority that he has given us, and a part of that is manifest healing in our bodies. So I want us to do that. I want us to stand up. If you can stand up. If not, you can stay seated. And I just want us to take a moment, and I want us to pray for um, each other. Can I see a hand? How many people have some physical infirmity in your body? You have something that you're, that you're actually dealing with? Anybody else? Just, okay. Look around. See the hands that are up. Okay. Okay. We're, we're the body messiah. So everyone look around. Find someone that has their hands raised. I want, I want people around them to go to them. And as the body, the Bible says that those, that, that those of us that believe will lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. So we're going to lay hands on each other tonight as a body. And we're going to pray and command the kingdom to manifest itself that the healing that we've already been given, that legal thing that Jesus has done for us, finds a vital expression in our life right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We declare you, Lord, as king in your kingdom. We thank you, Father. We have confessed you as Lord, and we thank you, you are our Savior. And right now, tonight, Father God, we thank you for the precious stripes of Jesus, and that by those stripes, we have been healed. So, Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name, for every life in this house 
that has experienced pain, every life in this house that has experienced any type of physical ailment. And Lord, we pray and we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name to manifest your kingdom among us tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus. We command every malady, go in the name of Jesus. We command pain, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. We command that which is wrong, be made right in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, for a manifestation of your compassion, of your healing right now in bodies, in lives, in hearts, in families, in cities, in homes, in our nation, Father. Father, we thank you and we thank you, Lord God, for the healing that we have in the name of the one and only the Messiah, Yeshua. Jesus, we pray. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen, amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for indulging us over these last few days. And hopefully we'll get to see you again next year. That's it. Well, family, let's do this. Stretch your hands out towards Pastor Scott and Miss Loretta. We're going to pray over them. Guys, thank you again for being here. Uh, you guys mean the world to us. Your family. Praise Come back God. and visit more than once a year. We'd love to have you. Uh, let's pray for them, guys. Father, we just thank you for these two, that they continue uh, to just be refreshed in you, God. Continue to pour your spirit out upon them. Strengthen them, God, to continue to do the work that you've called them to do, for it is a good work that you've called them to do, God. We just thank you for these two in their hearts that seek you, God, and to bring you glory in all that they do. Stay with them, Father. Keep pushing them, Father. Keep stretching them, Father. Father, we just thank you for the books that you've put on Pastor Scott's heart to write. Uh, what a blessing they'll be to our church family, to everyone that gets their hands on a God's supernatural blessing over those books so more and more people can come to know you through those books, God. Continue to bless them and use them in their ministry. We're so grateful for these two, God. Let them know that they're loved by us and by you and all that we do, Father. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, sir, come on up. Having some pain over your ear. Is that you? Anybody else having some pain over your over your ear? I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful when it's just one person because it just shows just how special people are to God. So, sister, why don't, why don't you go over there and pray for her? Just stretch your hands towards her, and let's just whatever whatever reason God highlighted that to me. You know what? It's 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 God who wants to take care of that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, right now for your healing power in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the healer, and we declare that you are, in Jesus' name, manifesting, Lord God, your healing right now. We command pain, go! Leave her be in the name of Jesus. I command you, sister, be healed in your body, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Chip. I trust you've been blessed by Pastor Scott and Miss Loretta. We will make sure that we have the information to get you all the books and all those things as well. Uh, feel free to stop by and let them know how they've touched your lives this weekend. Let them know that we love them, guys. Thanks again for being here. Family, Wednesday night, we have service at 7 o'clock. Pastor Mike will be back next Sunday. We love you. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you then. Thanks, guys.